It is Locked on Jazz for the 22nd of August. Donovan plays in Australia. The projection systems are a little iffy on the Jazz. We'll look at all those things, plus the final day with Craig Bullerjack in the summer interview series. Coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, lots of geeky numbers, and hopefully making it more fun for you to be a Jazz fan in the offseason. Locked on NBA today, Kevin Pelton and I talked about his projection system, so that's a worthwhile listen when you're done with this one today. Uh, we'll check on those projection systems here in just a second between uh, Kevin's system and 538. But first, Donovan played today in the Australian-U.S. Uh, game, that um, exhibition game. I did not watch it. It was at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Donovan finished with 13 points. He was 6 of 15 from the field, took no free throw attempts. So 15 shots for 13 points is not great. He had three assists. I think he had four or five turnovers. He had two steals and a block. Uh, Andy Larson is there in Australia. And the talk uh, on his Twitter, and Tony Jones seemed to watch it, uh, was about the defensive work that was put together by Donovan on Patty Mills, particularly in the second half when the U.S. went on the 13-0 run. Donovan was a plus 25 in the game. Uh, Joe Ingles was a bit uh, quiet in the game. I got an inter- email from Trent, who's in Australia. He says, a longtime listener, a 25-year jazz fan here in Melbourne. And so he um, sent me some notes. He's, as he said, no geeky numbers, just observations. He said, Donovan was very respectful. And in interviews seemed to make more of an effort before and after the game. Really stood out as the leader. Uh, bucket loads of maturity, which we all know, but uh, showing it overseas during exhibition game seems a lot. Said he got the biggest cheers from the Aussie fans of any USA player. Uh, he said he was good in the mid-range, great effort both ways, and hustled defensively. For Joe Ingles, he said Ingles didn't have much of an impact because he couldn't play the pick and roll with Baines and Bogut. Got me thinking, does he play in if he runs the second unit without favors? Well, Ed Davis is just not nearly as good a pick-and-roll player as uh, Derek Favors. Doesn't have those hands uh, in the same way. Going to have to find a lob game to him a little bit, maybe, and see if you can find uh, some aspect of him uh, and create a better. But he has never, Ed Davis has never been a particularly good pick-and-roll player, so that will be a little tricky um, for Don, for Joe, and frankly, for the second unit to be able to find ways to score. They're going to have to do it a little bit differently um, than they did in the past. Um, so, yes, that's a great, great question. Uh, so, anyway, Donovan, it, what, what has become most clear to me, you know, the 6 of 15 shooting's not great, and 1 of 5 from 3 and 5 of 10 from 2 is that he really is that vital to this team. This is Kemba Walker and Donovan Mitchell's team. Uh, and and moving forward, that will be the case uh, for this this post this this run, which is great for Donovan. It gets him ready, and then uh, you know then the Jazz uh, probably cool him down a little bit, and then get him ready for the season. Donovan uh, did uh, continue to kind of be active uh, socially, uh, not just on the network on the social networks, but he wrote Engen. Un, excuse me, end gun violence on his Team USA theme signature shoes. 
Uh, and on the insoles, put the names of victims for the El Paso and Dayton shootings. When asked about it, he said, it's a scary feeling to never know what may happen. I just think it needs to come to a stop. So uh, Donovan kind of continuing to stretch himself uh, beyond. Joe Ingles, by the way, had six points uh, in the game. USA won it 102-86. They'll do it again uh, here uh, coming up. And then, uh, and that will be a game that we actually, timing-wise, will probably be able to watch a little bit. Uh, it's going to be played at a more friendly U.S. time, and then the U.S. will play Canada as well. This was also done in uh, at Marvel Stadium, which seats 50,000 and has, you know, kind of like the U.S. Uh, when we play the NCAA tournament, has those huge, huge, huge gaps between baskets, which does not usually lead to particularly good shooting. Uh, Kevin Pelton and I do an interview today for Locked on NBA. He has launched his Shoney Real Plus Minus uh, evaluation of of teams, and he has the Rockets and the Nuggets ahead of the rest of the Western Conference, both at about 54 wins, then the Clippers and the Jazz at 48 and 47. Uh, Mike Conley only playing in his projection 64 games, Kawhi Leonard only playing 62. Then the Lakers and the Warriors come in at 5-6, Dallas at 7, and Portland at 8. One of the more interesting things Kevin and I do talk about on the show Pelicans and Suns both come in at 38, as do the Spurs. Minnesota at 39.5. I do think Minnesota is going to be better than everyone else thinks. Uh, Sacramento right at 40, uh, battling Portland. So if San, and has San Antonio, you know, obviously slipping a little bit, uh, and, and Dallas making the playoffs. There could be a real run for the, for the eighth spot in the playoff picture here. Has Golden State at 46, so not in jeopardy of not making the playoffs. Uh, and so the Jazz coming in at, you know, it, it, it is, I, I said this in the very beginning, the Jazz, I think, got a lot better, and there's a decent chance they're going to be the 4-5 seed again. Like, we're going to be it is as incredible as the Western Conference is. What's interesting in both the ESPN, Kevin Pelton projection, the 538, is both of them have Houston way above everyone else. Like, for all of us who, uh, you know, they pick up Russell Westbrook, it seems like a weird move, but Westbrook's better than an aging Chris Paul um, and I have said this numerous times. I think that Westbrook is going to be better in Houston than he was in Oklahoma City. And so they have the the projection system by 538 as the Rockets at 57 with the Warriors and the Nuggets at second and third at 51. And then the Jazz at 50, the Clippers at 48. Now they do this uh, without game projections. And the big thing Pelton does is he projects how many games are going to be played. The Lakers come in at 48, and then the Mavericks at 46 is the seventh playoff team. Pelicans all the way up to 43 is the eighth playoff team with Minnesota at 42. So again, Minnesota comes out much better than most people are projecting. I've actually been on the phone with, with Alan Horton, their play-by-play announcer kind of throughout this summer saying, I just think you guys are going to be way better than uh, everyone else is projecting. Uh, the Eastern Conference projections by Pelton have Milwaukee and Boston as 1-2 with Philly as 3. We we dig into that a little bit. And then Orlando is 4, and then Miami, Indiana, and Brooklyn kind of close out the East uh, with Chicago as a team. I've actually heard this from a lot of people inside the NBA who think Chicago is going to be much better than people are expecting. We'll see whether Jim Boylan can get that group going. But just, you know, they've just kind of subtly changed that team with Otto Porter at the trade deadline and Thomas Sadaransky and... Um, some of the other moves that they've made in the uh, in this process, uh, Thaddeus Young, I think they picked up as well. They've, they've just gotten a little deeper and have 
Plus, they, they have Wendell Carter and they have Zach Levine and they, they've got some, and Laurie Markinen's really good. Um, so they, they're projected higher than maybe some others in the, the 538 as the 76ers is the best team in the NBA. So that's interesting. Kevin and I do get into that uh, during the show. They have the Bucks as two and then don't have another Eastern Conference team till the Celtics at three, the Raptors at four, Heat, Magic, Pacers, and then uh, Bulls, they have making the playoffs tied with the Nets, uh, does 538, uh, both battling for it, and the Pistons right behind that. So the various projection systems are out. Kevin and I get into it in Locked on NBA, uh, and when you're done with this show today, you can grab that. Before that, though, we're going to uh, we'll, we're gonna talk to uh, Craig Bullerjack mostly about what's taking place in the NBA bigger picture conversations in today's summer interview series with Craig Bullerjack. Today's show is brought to you in part by Intercap. Intercap's done amazing, amazing things. They now have 15 branches in Utah from St. George to Logan to Tooele to Vernal. Also Boise, Las Vegas, and Phoenix with another out-of-state coming soon. It's a 50-year-old lending company. They have built it up and it continues to grow. They've actually, uh, production for 2019 is more than the entire production of all of last 2018. Why? Because they get deals done. They get deals done. I mean, that's what this is about in the lending business is how do you get it done? And when they uh, did our refinance, you know, the thing that jumps out to me is one of the things they sold to me is we will give you the custom uh, experience. We'll, we'll help to get it done. And then, you know, we actually hold on to your loan. And, and as a direct lender, that gives us great freedom. Well, it turns out to be true. They still have our loan uh, right now. Steve Carter has been assigned to the Locked On Jazz listeners. His number is 385-800-8528. That's 385-800-8528. Steve will help you out. Make sure you tell him you're with Locked On Jazz and he'll give you the corporate discount. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. Find out, experience the difference. 385-885-28. That's Steve Carter at 385-885-28. Day three with the great Craig Bullerjack. Who's your Western Conference favorite? Uh, would I be wrong to say uh, the L.A. Clippers? No, I don't think so. I don't think, uh, I don't I think, think you'd it, be wrong at all. It's really intriguing to see an MVP, final MVP, to jump from Toronto, the East, back to the West, and then bring Paul George along with him and Doc Rivers as their head coach. It's it, David, I know that we, we can spend hours on, on the West and – the East intrigues me somewhat, but of course our focus is here in the in the West. But this season is maybe the most intriguing I've ever been involved in. The off season was just uh, just crazy with the movement, and not only movement, but big big name movement. And that's what I think really catches the attention of basketball fans, jazz fans as well, and why they're in the conversation. The Jazz were part of that with Mike Conley being being brought over in the trade from Memphis. So. Uh, there's a lot of storylines that we're going to be following as this season uh, opens up uh, in October. Uh, what is your thoughts on LeBron and aging? Or what are your thoughts? Sorry. Well, you know, I know he's probably the most conditioned athlete we've seen uh, in quite a while. Um, and he spends money uh, and good money on his body, which at that level you have to. The Jazz have caught on over the last few years obviously with the Zion's basketball campus and the food the intake the calories the protein the chef making sure that bodies uh remain durable and have long longevity uh that's what you have to do to compete in this in this in this league today uh 
Uh, probably LeBron was a little ahead of the curve uh, in his early years. But you know what? I think you have to watch. And, David, maybe you can pop these numbers up. I don't have the ability to do it at the time. But the minutes played uh, by LeBron is getting to be astronomical for his age. And there is, and you and I have talked about this, and Booner, here's the guy that was so durable in the ABA and the NBA in a different time and era, by the way, which is even more intriguing to me. But sooner than later, you know, an injury comes and grabs you. And I, I know there's a statistic out there. It's, it's what is it? It's a 30,000-minute mark. The susceptibility becomes even higher and higher. <laughs> and, you know, look at Kobe, who you never thought would be uh, damaged goods, and then the Achilles let go. Uh, look at Kevin Durant, minutes in nine years on the floor, um, the, the calf and then the Achilles. Uh, you know, I wish no injuries on anyone, but, it's, but they usually come. That's part of the game, and sometimes that's the end game for a lot of players. And I, I don't know what's going to happen to Durant. You know, everyone says he'll return to greatness. I'm not sure. I really am not sure about the way he plays. 100%, Bowler. My, I actually have said this. The team that got the best offseason was the Warriors because they didn't sign oh. both Durant and Clay Thompson. I, I I don't think – yeah, they couldn't. I don't think they could, David. I just – I think Clay was the easy, the easy, you know, the easy decision. And obviously there was probably a PR scare there too and the way that, uh, you know, Durant's handled it, blaming no one for the injuries, probably the best – you know, best move that Golden State could have ever hoped for. But, yeah, I, I don't know. LeBron, I, you know, the guy, I love watching him play, but I sense a slowdown. I sense some fatigue. Uh, but, again, he'll prove me wrong. Uh, I, I'm but, not convinced uh, again, he will prove you wrong. I mean, he's at, he's at 17th all time, and I understand how great he is, but the guys he's passing and the guys he is going to pass next – were all dramatic shadows of themselves by the time they were done. Like the last 10 guys he's passed on the list, Jason Terry, Buck Williams, Cliff Robinson, Keem Olajuwon, Joe Johnson, Julius Irving, Vince Carter, Robert Parrish, Paul Pierce. If you remember them at the end, they were shadows. The next guys that he's passing, he will pass Ray Allen on the third game of the season. He will pass John Havlicek on about the eighth game of the season. He will pass Gary Payton in about the 20th game of the season. Those guys were shadows of how great they were by the end. Yes, they were. And I just wonder if that's where LeBron, well, LeBron is stated, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but does he not want to remain on the floor? I believe the age is 38 to even have a chance to play with his son. I mean, I think that's his ultimate go, isn't it? His ultimate game is to be able to play a, uh, a season with his son, which he'll probably facilitate if needed, but uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, the minutes, I think, are scary for anybody uh, because, again, the body does, no matter how well, how, how great a shape you may be in, uh, sooner or later, those those uh, those joints and ligaments and tendons begin to let go and loosen up, and uh, just, they're just not the same. He's played a lot of minutes on those legs, a lot of practice minutes that no one really ever thinks about or, or puts into the equation. Um, and also, David, the other part of it, too, is how many postseason minutes that guy has played uh, because of his greatness and because of his, his success in, in postseason play and, and championships. There's a lot of extra minutes played on those legs uh, by LeBron. 
Kevin Pelton, who is ESPN's numbers expert, good friend of mine, you know him well, uh, has p- projected the West through his numbers system, No, nothing else other than numbers, has two teams dramatically better than everybody else in the Western Conference. Houston and Denver. Hmm. He has the numbers lifting Houston higher than most people believe they will be. He has Houston at 53.8 wins which he as the average, which is the most. Denver at 53.6, and the Clippers at 48, and then the Jazz at 47. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, obviously, I understand the, uh, the Harden factor. I'm not sure if I'm buying into the Westbrook factor of how they get along. Uh, I understand they're both got to have touches and they both have incredible scoring ability. Uh, does that equate to 53 wins? And does Denver with an aging Paul Millsap who they just signed? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I know numbers have a lot to play into it, but also I'm just trying to think of sensibility too. And looking at uh, the thing we talked about earlier, and that was um, uh, team, the team concept and, and is, is Westbrook a wrecking ball? I mean, can he get along with Harden? Harden didn't get along with Chris Paul, so that that intrigues me. It really does. I'm wow. not sure. I'm not sure anybody's gotten uh, along with Chris Paul. Like Blake Griffin, you talk to people in Detroit, they talk about Blake Griffin like he's the single greatest guy that ever stepped foot on the planet. They they think he's the greatest, and like it makes you wonder. Like the, I think there's been a bunch of guys that have been mischaracterized. Like Russell Westbrook took a hit for Kevin Durant leaving. Now that we've seen Kevin Durant more, should we maybe back off on Russell Westbrook taking a hit for Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City? Durant may be the one guy that I've been most disappointed in since his uh, acceptance of the MVP award uh, and then the way he departed and went to Golden State. I found him to be the opposite of what I thought. Uh, after the conversation, after the press conference he had, uh, the teary-eyed, uh, thankful to the fans and the franchise and to his mother, and then the way he kind of took the the California route, uh, I was it shocked me. It really did. I did not expect that from Durant. But you know what? It tells you again. Sometimes you don't know people like you think you do. And again, I'm just an outsider looking in and what you see through the media and through his conversation with reporters and the way he interacts with teammates, David, I thought it was kind of a, a telltale sign of kind of the guy he was. And really sometimes somehow, somehow of his, so many of his teammates kind of reacted to that as well. Um, and Chris Paul, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, Chris Paul, because he was taken after Darren Williams, there was always that connectivity of those two will ever forever be connected in jazz lore because uh, Jerry Sloan, one of the more powerful point guard at the time uh and so i would wait in the pelicans locker room for an interview in his early days trying to get an interview and of course he said oh yeah he'll do it he'll do it i waited him out an hour and 30 minutes david in the locker room and refused to leave travis our producer said you got to come back the game's only 20 minutes out no i'm waiting on paul and he finally kept peeking out the, the room, the, the training room, even though the, the PR people said he's, he's getting treatment. He's getting treatment. But I realized at that time, about 45 minutes in, and I just did this to be kind of a, an ass. Can I say that? That's three, only a three-letter word. Yeah, we're on podcast. You, actually, my, you actually can prove, say anything you want. <laughs> I just wanted to prove my point to him that, look, dude, I'm not going. 
you're not going to you know, freeze me out, even though because of time, he knew he had the advantage on me. But I knew at that time, too, uh, what kind of person Chris Paul was. Uh, we could have taken care of this five minutes after I walked into the locker room and not do the play and wait game, right? But, yeah, there's players who you think who come across as the really good guy, and sometimes the bad guy is not that bad. It's, uh, uh, we, we, we get to see a lot. And it's it uh, it's kind of uh, I guess for us David in the business, it's kind of a, a bonus at times to really kind of get to know a player or at least you think you do, and then find out maybe it's not quite what you thought. He is Craig Bullerjack. I'll explain why I think the Rockets' prediction might be right when we come back. Plus, who's the player Bowler would buy a ticket to see in the league today? That's when we continue with the TV voice, the voice of the Utah Jazz, Craig Bullerjack here on Locked On Jazz. Final segment of a great week with Craig Bullerjack. Thank him at Buckle Up Bowler. Uh, football fans, Locked On NFL is rolling with Matt Williamson and Brian Peacock doing great work on that. And Vinny Iyer's Locked On Fantasy Football is making great strides. And Josh Lloyd will get you ready for the fantasy basketball season uh, as well. So all of, all of those national shows going in, as we've been mentioning today, Kevin Pelton joined me for Locked On NBA. Lots of fun things taking place at Murdoch Hyundai right now. If you're in the market shop, for car, you know, everyone's got their own personal likes and things of that nature. But what it, the biggest thing that I've learned from the time I've spent with Hyundai is the value you get for the dollars. So if you if you're looking for a car, take the extra stop and stop by whether it's Logan, Linden, or forty six forty six South State Street, and it and see what's taking place at Murdoch. And what you will see is the fact that you get more for your val- dollar. They've got an incredible lineup of cars. Their SUVs are the Tucson, the Kona, the Santa Fe, and now the new Palisade, which is the unbelievable. And then also great pricing. The 2019 Elantra is now only thirteen nine ninety. Uh, I've been driving the new Santa Fe. I find it amazing. Uh, it absolutely takes care of all sorts of the self-driving aspects, has the safety mechanism where the back door won't open if the kids open it with a car coming. Those kind of levels of detail, that's kind of the bells and whistles I'm telling you that you're going to experience. So if you don't know the Hyundai brand, stop by, check it out, see what you can get for your value. Say hi to Jason over at 4646 South State Street. Ben's up in Logan and Blake is down in Linden. They're all there to serve you. 93 years the Murdochs have been in Utah. So uh, you know that that is part of their commitment is to you, the Utah, to help you out. It's Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. Final segment with Craig Bullerjack. It is going to come to an end. People are sad about that as we continue our conversation. So, Bowler, here's my thought. You and I talked on, I think, uh, Tuesday of this week about how, or maybe it was Monday, about how we think, you know, Donovan's got this open floor and he's going to be able to do all this stuff and the open floor and this and that. I got to say, if we're going to buy that, I think we have to buy that for Russell Westbrook. Mike D'Antoni is a great coach. Instead of having Andre Robertson, Terrence Ferguson, and a bunch of non-shooters around him. He'll have a great rim roller and Clint Capella and a bunch of shooters. And I, I, I think he, I think he becomes quite a beast with, on a pick and roll with an open floor uh, in Houston. I know he's probably licking his chops. I think the only thing, David, that you know, you just have to wonder again is two dominant personalities and two former MVPs on the same team and touches. And I know the numbers would probably say they're going to be an explosive offense, which I can imagine. I, I, and I just wonder how that plays out, the continuity between the two and the personalities. 
if they mesh, if they if they knock heads. That's the only thing uh, that I, I I'm looking at if if that one goes off the rails, as, as so to speak. But you're right about D'Antoni. I mean, ever since this Phoenix days and beyond, we know what he likes to do: open floor, run, run, score, score. And so the, for the way that Westbrook runs and downhill, by the way, uh, he's one of the best downhill guys I've ever seen, and almost just is scary good when you see him coming. Usually, what would you do? You bail, uh, and and that's what a lot of guys do because you can't control a Westbrook. Harden is more like a magician, as we know, and so it's going to be interesting to see how those two do jive on the floor and how the touches are distributed. But your point about Capella, I'm a big Capella fan, by the way, and I think um, his offensive his offensive game most likely should improve. Would you not agree? I think he'll get some touches as well as Westbrook draws a defense. Capella's open. And the guy can't finish. And so it, I, I bet you Capella's probably pretty happy that he, he'll probably have some more opportunities to be uh, even a bigger offensive threat. And he did not have a good year last year. I mean, Capella... No. I mean, actually, his numbers look better than they did a year before, but I thought his impact was less. Also, like, the Rockets were the best team in the Western Conference for about the last 50 games last year. And I know Russell Westbrook, Westbrook, excuse me, Russell Westbrook is crazy inefficient. I am the first to point out how negative he is. But overall, like Chris Paul is done, finished, over, complete, end of sentence. Like it's done. Darren Williams has been playing golf for two years and Raymond Felton is closer to being on biggest loser than he is on an NBA floor again. Like, I mean, seriously, like Chris Paul has spent his time. And so that's an upgrade. That's an upgrade as much as Russell is unique in his own way. So I, I think they're going to be very, very good. One of the reasons the jazz were not projected as well by, by Kevin Pelton is at 32 years old. He only has Mike Conley projected to play 64 games and feels as though the Jazz have a serious lack of depth, particularly at that position. Do you think that's valid? Yeah, that is valid. I think that's that's uh, that's kind of the one quiet conversation people will probably have: durability and how healthy will Conley stay. And there'll probably be some over and unders on how many games he'll actually start and play too, David. And the other part of this whole discussion that we haven't even touched on—I know we're running out of time—but you know what, the Dante Exum. Where does he fit? Who is he? I don't know. All right, yeah. You know better than I do. What do you know? Don't... What, what do you know, Bowler? Give me the answer on that one because I... I I don't know. I, I don't know who he is. I've seen glimpses. I'm not sure of just work ethic and how bad he wants it. Uh, I hope he wants it bad. Uh, two injuries are tough to, to overcome and, and really regain your confidence. But the Jazz have bought into him as a guy that can cover the corners defensively. And also his first step, if healthy, is pretty wicked. But, again, I, I, people ask me all the time, I mean, no pun, is he the X factor? And I would probably say yes. Maybe the Jazz are betting that he is going to be on the floor and that he will be uh, a major contributor in minutes uh, for the Utah Jazz. Almost in the sense of the way the, the lineup is right now, uh, he may have to be. It's interesting. Uh, I don't. They I, did bring back. Sorry. They, they they did bring back uh, uh, Goss, right, uh, from overseas, the former Gonzaga All American. That intrigues me as well to see where where he uh, plays into this roster uh, with Utah as well. I apologize, I interrupted you there. Um, I actually don't worry about his work ethic just because everything I've heard about how diligent he's been about fighting through injuries. I just worry about whether Dante know, is. 
like just you know he just came so inexperienced and the injuries have limited his ability to play so like is he an NBA player due to his lack of experience the the positive the thought I have on this one is, I mean the guy's played 54 games in two years after yeah. like you yeah know, he's played a hundred and some odd games in four years it's incredible poor kid um 82 in his rookie right he played right, every game right, his rookie year right. and, and since then I think he's got about 111 like something crazy um his three-point shooting in the corners has gone from 25 to 29 to 31 in the last three years. 31 is not good enough, but if you can get to 34, 35, it might be. So if that continued to approve, then my view on him is maybe he's Trevor Ariza. That he's a wing who can defend the wings, who plays off the ball and hits that corner three when it's available or attacks the rack off the weak side with that amazing speed, and you. Yeah, that's a good. That's, that's my. You know what? Your the Trevor Ariza comparison, David, is good. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that 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 is intriguing. Yeah, that that comparison, uh, that may be totally spot on, totally. Because I would play him off the ball. Now the question is: Is Moutier and Williams Goss good enough? Or are we like bringing Shelvin Mack back from Russia halfway through the year or something like that? And, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, Moutier uh, will be interesting just because again he came here for a reason. He wants to get better. He's young, and he really bought into the fact that Jazz develop players. And David, that'll be a real test for Quinn Staff to see if they can't bring him along into. a a higher level player. If if they do and they can, and he has that ability, man, that's a, that's a steal for the jazz to, to put him on this roster. And he could be part of the answer as well. Moody is interesting one because, and this is kind of a, like you, you love your JJ Barreas and your Howell Nettos. <laughs> like he's the opposite, yeah. right? He should be, he's got this amazing body. He's six, five, 200. He's really pretty skilled. Quinn's pretty excited about him. Like, there was a limit every day that Neto went out on the floor of what he physically was capable of. His heart was going to drive him places. J.J. Barea, the same thing. There's a limit to what he physically can do every single night. There's no real limit to what Moutier can physically do. Um, He's not an elite athlete. He's been a very poor rim finisher his entire career, and that usually is a sign that maybe you're not as good an athlete as everybody thinks. But talking to Quinn, who's worked with him a little bit, he just says that, Otherwise, I mean, he's just really, really talented, big, strong, has so many natural things that are just puts him a step ahead of other people. So that will certainly be interesting. You know, and you go from a five foot ten, one hundred and eighty five pound Howell Neto, or maybe that's when he's, uh, you know, got a couple of stones in his shoes. Uh, but, yeah, you do upgrade there, even though he was a likable guy. Uh, his durability was an issue, too, over his tenure with the Jazz. And hopefully Moutier at 6'5", like you said, he's got a big body. He's strong. He's bulky. He's uh, he's got He's got the tools physically. Let's see what happens with his basketball set of skills. And hopefully, like I said, uh, I think Quinn must have seen something along with Dennis and, and Justin uh, Zanuck where, again, they believe their system uh, of bringing players along and development will benefit him in a big in a big way. Let's hope it does. Final question for the fabulous Craig Bowler, Jack. Thanks so much. You can thank him at at BuckleUpBowler on Twitter. Please do. If you were buying one ticket to a jazz game this year, who would you come see? I think off the top of my head, uh, because I don't see him enough, I'm going to pick this man from the Eastern Conference, and that would be the Milwaukee great big man, Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
I think I chose the same guy when I was asked this question this week. So I think I, I, think I, I would be honest. I don't see him enough, David. I mean, we do see the West, and I, I, I'm intrigued with so many players and their abilities and their, their mindset and kind of their nasty approach <laughs> to the game. But for some reason, man, I, I'm intrigued with uh, the way that Giannis has developed and the person that he is. And uh, I think the, the appreciation and love he has for the game, but also the way he can dominate a game and how he's improved his game and how he's going to continue, I think, to improve his game on both ends of the floor. The guy's a beast, and they call him the freak for a reason because that is an incredible body that does incredible things. And uh, let's see if the Bucks can't keep him around for a while or put the right pieces around him too. Well, I'm going to call you a freak because you just willingly spent an hour with me. So I certainly, certainly appreciate it. Uh, I think everybody else did. They love hearing from you. Uh, I look forward to, to being by your side um, quite a bit this year, in fact, um, for, yeah, for about, too far off, for about seven yeah, months. Yeah. So we'll, look we'll forward probably to get it. a chance to discuss that more. Uh, but yes, hey, look, I appreciate the call. Appreciate the time, as always. Always great to chat with you. And to Jazz Nation, uh, may I just say, uh, buckle up. It's going to be a fun, fun uh, season. And, I, you know, I wish the league health, because what I want to see, David, is that everybody stays as healthy as possible because the competition, I don't think, has ever been keener uh, in my time uh, with the Jazz or, or covering the NBA. And I'm sure you probably agree. The stories that we are going to be able to tell and the athleticism that we're going to see every night, especially in the West, is going to be phenomenal. And I think the entertainment value is going to is sky high. And I can hardly wait to get behind the mic. I know you can't either. And so I don't wish days away. But I'm sure wishing for this season to come along pretty pretty soon. All right. Well, you got a big wedding between now and then to go celebrate. So enjoy I it. Do. Congratulations, Nick to the and Buller. Anna, my first one walking down the aisle, my friend. Congratulations to the Bowler Jack family and to Sharon, most of all. So thanks so much, buddy. I appreciate the time. All right, David. Thanks, pal. He's the fabulous Craig Bullerjack. This has been a week's worth of the Summer Interview Series. Coming up next week on the Summer Interview Series, we're hoping to have Eric Woodyard of the Deseret News with us. We'll see whether that comes together as hoped. If not, we'll just find somebody else really awesome out there to talk to as the Summer Interview Series continues here on Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.